0: This is First Nature on the Rising Man Podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Barry, your host, bringing you another episode of First Nature right here on the Rising Man Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Just prefacing this uh, episode to let you know that it gets out in the weeds a little bit. It's a little esoteric. And basically what, what I'm speaking to is, so I got onto this walk and I, you know, when I, when I get into nature that way, where I really start to feel connected to it, and I'm always thinking about how can I just expand and deepen that connection, that feeling of oneness and uh, just with the beauty of nature and not really seeing it, a, a difference between, you know, the species of the plants and the geology of the rocks and my own species, just that we're really trying to permeate that, that veil um, to see that we're all part of the same stuff and so that's what this uh, podcast is about um, I get on this walk get into this space um, I'll share more about it in the podcast or hear about it and just talk about how that can you know look when you're out in nature on a walk so um, you know I think our imagination is one of the, one of the most potent powerful uh, attributes we have as humans and, um, and you know then using our creativity to take our imaginary world and, and bring it to life. expressed outside of us in all the different ways we can express our creativity. Um, Not only is it really fun, but of course, you know, if you're into any kind of creative expression at all on any level, um, it can be really powerful and moving and and transformational. Um, So, um, so prep yourself, get ready for a little ride and uh, see if you can keep up. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. And um, You know, if you haven't been to the Rising Man uh, website lately, uh, I really invite you to go check it out. If you're new to the podcast, if this is one of your first times you're hearing something that's talking about Rising Man, um, just head over to risingman.org. And, uh, you know, Rising Man essentially is an organization that's committed and dedicated and passionate about, like, helping men develop themselves to their full potential. Okay, enough talk. Uh, Enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. I'm back out here in my favorite place, the desert. I'm just outside the southeast corner of Death Valley. And as you can see, it's uh, stunning, as always. It's very quiet back here. <clears throat> Been out here for a few days, just doing a little uh, personal respite. And um, i been trying to get some strolls in every day out here in the wilderness. And I uh, wasn't really planning on putting some information up right now, but it just came to me. I just I've been in a little bit of a funny mood. The last uh, the, you know, the first couple of weeks here, the new year. Uh, it's been a little um, disjointed for me going through a lot of personal um, challenges. And I don't mean that sort of in the colloquial way. I mean, personal in the sense that uh, challenges that I, uh, <clears throat> I basically put myself into. And that's um, really good. I'm learning a lot about how I operate and how I perceive the world, myself, reality around me, other people. So, as you know, on this channel, um, I always bring it back to nature, or do my best to always bring it back to nature, because that's, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, that's what we are. We're nature. We just go back to the ground, back to the earth from where we came. Now, out here, I was walking around and just... Hearing the birds, there's a few birds out here. You might hear them a little bit. And I was looking at all the contours of this particular grounds, groundscape, landscape, which I find, um, it's just interesting to look at this ground. The long shadows, the warm lights, the quietness. And, There's just so much going on with some footprints here. I'm going to say coyote on that one. There's just cracks in the mud. There's these little oases of dry bushes. And and then moving a little closer up to this mud hill. There's um, just this beautiful mud sand flat alluvial. It just fans out. Hear that little bird, so lovely. It just fans out from this amazing ridge of dried earth. This is like, this is what earth is made of. This is earth that is bubbled up from below the surface and has been giving itself across the surface here for quite some time now and uh i just got to thinking about that aspect of how looking at the land is like looking at my insides and i try to imagine that the land around me is literally just my insides, my emotional, mental, imaginal, um, intellectual insides just laid out and I'm walking through it. It's you know, the expanse of our emotional capacity, the expanse of our mental capacity, the expanse of our feelings, the expanse of our imagination. I mean, it can't get any more expansive than this. There's that sweet little bird. I think it's a. Looks and sounds like a. Panophlebia. I think that's how you say it. but I didn't know they're out in the desert. They kind of be in the same family. There he goes. So great example. Who is that bird in myself? If I'm looking into my interior world right now, all the hills far, far away, some of them are mountains, the little pebbles right in front of me, what do they symbolize within myself? And just holding that question adjusts my reality. I don't have to really actually come up with the answers. It's not like a test. It's not like I'm gonna miss some message or I'm gonna miss some information that makes this um, not worthwhile to spend this time out here. It's more about observing, watching myself using this um, external representation of nature to just be in self-observance. And to allow myself to just make some connections, right? What does this low wash I'm walking through represent? What part of me is that? And as I ask myself that question, yeah, there's no answer. I just get thoughts, feelings. Uh, some imagery co- goes off in my mindset. You know, and it adjusts how I feel. It adjusts my reality in the moment. That, that feels, um, it makes me more present first of all, right? I really feel like I'm right here right now. And particularly because I'm also walking on uneven ground. So I have to be really paying attention to most of my steps, if not all of them. The sensation of the rocks, I'm wearing very thin-soled shoes. So I can feel pretty much every pebble and uneven space. And even thinking about that, what, is, what does that represent in my life? The sense of walking through this beauty in order to get up close and immerse myself into it, it's going to require a little discomfort with every step. There's trenches and gullies and hills that I have to crisscross, go up, go down, step over, step around, right? These are all uh, exertions. I'm not just walking down a perfectly flat surface with no obstructions. Um, You know, most of those places are relatively sterile. Stadium floors, sidewalks, uh, roads, most of the man-made flat surfaces that help us get from one place to another with ease and minimal exertion um, don't offer a lot of opportunity for us to drop into introspection. So thinking about the cost, if there's a, if you could use that word, the price, the trade. Maybe the trade is a better word. Trading off, you know, to get this quiet time to be in my creative imaginal self and to be walking across this land, thinking about how it's me and what does it represent about me. Um, I'm going to trade some presence. I'm going to trade some exertion, some awareness. Some some caution, you know. I'm trying to avoid. There's all these amazing little structures. If you're watching the video, you'll get to see them. But for instance, there's these uh these little teeny um almost like mini. I guess a fractal, right? These uh, the way the rain has wore down these little channels on these uh dirt hills almost looks like, like little microscopic cathedrals and the intricacy of how the rain has carved and formed them. I don't want to step on those. (laughs) I mean, I'm standing right here. And there's uh, I mean, they're kind of all over. But I don't know. I've probably walked about a mile into this area already. I'm just looking down this little like one square foot area that has some of those right now. And I think to myself, I'm the only human who's gonna see that. I'm the only human who's gonna see that. No, this is a pretty desolate. I don't think anybody comes out here. This is uh there's it's not a there's no road off, there's no trail. I just pulled off the side of the road and started walking. So it's pretty pristine wilderness. So again, thinking about how beautiful those little tiny microscope, microscopic cathedrals are and how the rain interacted with the land and just all the time it took for this mud to bubble up from underneath and get to the position where it is. And, and then the timing of me being out here at this time of year and knowing that those, that particular set of little micro cathedrals isn't gonna be around long. They're gonna either get washed out with the next rain, or they'll get worn down by the wind over the course of the next months. So how, you know, thinking about like, where is that part in me, right? This part, you know, when I start thinking, I start imagining, where's that part of me that has created something beautiful and small and tiny and obscure that took a lot of chance, a lot of luck, a lot of time a lot of cooperation and collusion with other elements that I didn't have control over to produce this one small moment of, of beauty that no one, no one will ever see. Maybe not even myself. Maybe not even myself. I don't know if I can see all the beautiful things that I've either created or helped to create just in my life, let alone other people's lives. We don't know. So that's kind of how it works, right? I just had this reflection about beauty and what it takes to make something beautiful and how even the smallest most inconsequential thing can can be inspiring and beautiful if if you find it and take time to look at it within yourself. I can say that's a thought and concept I haven't really said so concretely or so explicitly until now, just walking through this desert landscape, bending over to look at that little little stack of them. So that's the invitation here. Uh, last episode I talked about, and I said pretty pretty clearly, you can't be fully connected to yourself if you're not, well, let me say it simpler. You can't be, mm, how would I say it? If you're not connected to nature, you're not fully connected to yourself. I'll just say it that way, It's true. So I'm walking past some really big cracks in the mud right here I'm gonna show. They're probably about a quarter inch wide. And, uh, Got a really nice light effect on them, from the low light, the low sun, and uh, you know if you get down really close, they look big. They look kind of massive. But then if you pull up, there's some really nice patterns to them, right? So it almost looks somewhat designed, and. Uh, in my height—I'm a tall guy—they don't really seem that big or impressive. But if you get down to the ants' POV, which there's a lot of ant hills out here, and I've been noticing that some of the ants are out—they're pretty inactive because it's kind of cold and wintry here. It's—they uh, look massive, right? Imagine the work an ant would have to do to get around one of these, you know, quarter-inch-wide cracks that are probably—I don't know—looks like they're about four or five inches deep. So let's just play with that one. That's a good one. Um, Thinking of myself as me, Sean, you know, human walking around, doing what I do. I see those cracks from my perspective, and I'm like, eh, they're kind of cool. They could be flaws, they could be design elements, they could be um, things waiting to be finished. Uh, in nature, cracks occur because there's not enough moisture to keep the ground all together, especially when it's high mud, high clay content. So as the water evaporates, the clay shrinks and pulls apart. So, and clay is great. Clay is a thing that you can really make things with, right? Clay. Clay is like a fundamental essential material if you're going to build anything from a primitive standpoint as far as structures go or containers i just heard a coyote i don't know if you can pick it up So, thinking about the clay in me, right? <clears throat> that material within myself that is can be formed into a lot of different ways. Maybe it's my creativity. Maybe clay is my creativity. And thinking about how I use my clay and am I taking care of my clay? Or is there a natural cycle to where my clay needs to go dormant and have some of the water evaporate out of it? and then look for times where it's going to need water to become malleable and, and something you can shape and form, right? If it gets too dry, it just turns into dust if you try to shape it. So, and then the cracks, right? Unfinished work. Um, is it uh, a symbol, a sign that I, I, you know, there's moisture lacking somewhere? There's, um, maybe will call it a catalyst. You could say water is somewhat of a catalyst for clay to work. You could look at it that way. And maybe there's somewhere in my life where I'm, la- I'm lacking that catalyst, I'm lacking that moisture. And where is it gonna come from? And is it something within my control? Right out here, clay just has to wait for the rain. The rain's a, th- you know, a thing that comes from somewhere else. That it doesn't have any control over. And is my creativity the same way? Am I uh, 100% an inspirational person who just waits for outside energy to activate my creativity? Or do I have a well within me that I can distribute the waters across the landscape where it's needed if I'm paying attention and knowing where it's needed? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know, but this is kind of the fun of it where we get to use the land, use nature to really look at ourselves, the mirror of nature, right? That's a big, big concept on this podcast. Nature is the perfect mirror. It holds no opinions about you. It has no judgments about you. It has no preconceived notions based on some belief system that is trying to pigeonhole you into in order to understand who you are. It's just, there for us to see ourselves in. That's it. So wherever you are, out in the deserts, in a forest, on the side of a mountain, in a field, by a lake, or the ocean, or a river, or a stream, think about it as if you're looking in on your own self. It's kind of fun. I think it's fun. You should try it. And again, you're not looking for answers. You're just looking for creativity and imagination to come up, watch the questions naturally rise, start to see how you will start to synergize and symbolize uh, elements of nature Um, to reflect your own personal experience of yourself in this life as a human. One last thing about doing this in this way is um, when you start doing it more and more and more, which I hope you do, I think that naturally brings out, you know, if you're looking out on a landscape as if it's actually yourself, Um, There comes that relation part, right? You start to have an association, a feeling, a a relationship with the land. Not only as yourself, but for what it is. This thing that gives us everything we need. Everything. And getting into that relationship, you know, reflecting more on, on the landscape and feeling that relationship Starts to make it near and dear to us, and to me, I feel like that's the key to right relationship with this planet. Um, I talk a little bit about climate change on this program, but I'm really trying to look at it through the anthropological eye, not so much of the scientific eye or the economic eye. I'm really trying to look at it through how is how is the, the way the planet is responding with its environment, reflecting how we've been treating it, treating ourselves, right? So kind of st- to stitch this all up. If you're looking out on the landscape as looking into yourself, and that everything out there is a part of you, alive, connected, collaborative, symbiotic, and we see these extreme conditions coming up across the world in the environment, are we not essentially looking at the symptoms of how we've been taking care of ourselves? Now, I know we can't go back to being tribal people living in huts with stone tipped spears made out of wood and I mean actually I would love to I think <laughs> I am keep trying to figure out how I can do that for myself because it just seems simple um, so this isn't about going backwards but it is about value values and standards and what does comfort and convenience and security really really mean and where does it really come from what does it really cost to have those things in our lives? Where does it, you know, where does the cost come from? We all you know, if you're if you're watching this podcast and really allowing yourself to take it in, you're probably living a relatively comfortable life. You've got a, you know, home with some kind of safe space. You've probably got a vehicle to get you around, you probably got a job that you can uh get money from to get the things you want the food you want go to the places you want to go and that gives you a certain feeling now ten thousand years ago i'm quite sure your ancestors your great 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 grandparents times five or ten <laughs> also felt that way with their lifestyles so it's not unusual or strange or wrong for us to to want more to find better ways to make our lives easier to feel more safe and to feel more secure and to have more convenience and to empower ourselves that's that's a natural human attribute okay one last thing um, I really invite you to go onto YouTube and watch the video of this, but I'm looking at these, just these amazing uh, very uh, they almost look what's the word? Kind of like dinosaur skin. We cracks in the mud. Kind of hexagonal in shape. So much to look at, so much to reflect on. Anyways, back to the ancestors. So it's, it's normal. That's how we got here. It's because we kept pursuing you know, better ways to do things that gave us more. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the ways we have been pursuing it and the mindset we've been pursuing it has been the best choice. And I really do think if you look around at what's happening in the environment across the world, we're starting to see the results of that. So that's for another another episode. We can talk more about making change in your life to have right relationship on the planet today. For now, I just want to really encourage you to get outside and to um, you know try to get into a place i really you know if you have an opportunity to take time off for yourself you know if you're going to go do something uh, on a weekend where you got a day or even take a personal day off work or however you like you know are able to organize your time i really invite you to go somewhere like go out somewhere day trip it right don't just go to your local park whether you're going to see you know playgrounds and kids and people in cars or hear air traffic or you know you want to Start out by just getting yourself in some of the fields really pristine some are really wild and um, spacious and ideally quiet So you can really perceive nature Really look at it eye to eye And to know that it is its own entity and You are your own entity but we are one in the same. Just let that sink in. And when you get to that one in the sameness, and I can even tell you for myself, it's fleeting. It's really, really challenging to get to that feeling of connectedness. It's like the tip of a pin. Can't dance on it very long. But when you get there, I really believe you'll experience a connection to yourself and to nature that maybe you haven't achieved yet for yourself. Is achieved? The right word? Probably not. Experienced. That you haven't experienced for yourself yet. And spend some time looking out across the landscape, walking through, saying hi, hello to things. You're basically saying hi and hello to yourself. Touch things, right? Feel the different textures feel the air you know we talk i talk a lot about sensory meditation on this channel something that came from john young um, a naturalist who did a lot of nature connection pioneering in the 80s and 90s 2000 he's still going but uh anyway side story get into your senses how does it feel in your body how does your body feel when you touch a plant right it's creosote Just listening, I'm listening to the crunch of it. Ah, It's one of my favorite smells. And also just, you know, visually, just watching how it responds when I interact with it. Right, it almost kind of tells me how it wants to be interacted with. You know, or picking up a stone and feeling the weight of a stone. Just carrying it for a while. Really listening to the birds, not just noticing where the sound came from, but tuning into one and, and really listening to see if you can capture or catch the essence of what is communicating. And then going right into the reflection. What am I trying to communicate to myself with that beautiful sound? Right. So there's so much creativity and so much imagination um, that can go into this experience. and. I really really uh, hope you'll try it out and uh, I'm gonna wrap it up for here cuz I'm gonna finish my walk finish my little internal dialogue with myself this huge immense immense expansive space this is me this is me and it's you too All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in and taking a listen. Hope you got something out of that one. So, uh, you know, if you are kind of, you know, on a nature connection journey for yourself, I really invite you to to get into your imagination when you get out in nature. Really just let that childlike kid self who loves to play and pretend come out. Um, it's so, you know, I work with kids a lot off and on over the years, and it's so amazing to watch them just completely get immersed in their imagination. It's like the real world for them, and especially in nature when they're interacting with the plants and uh, the frogs and little animals we come across and climbing trees and making up games and telling stories to each other. Uh, They're having so much fun. They're having so much fun. Last thing I'll say again is, uh, you know, if you're a new listener or a regular listener, um, in any case, uh, check out risingman.org. The brotherhood, you know, we talk a lot about what what does that mean? What does brotherhood mean? And what does it mean to be authentic men? You know, we all have things we're trying to do in the world, right? We're trying to pursue careers and create offerings and find partners and, you know, create families and, you know, homes and filling desires and dreams and all the things that are going on out there. But underneath that, I really think is where the rising man heart is. Underneath that, we're just a group of men who are showing up to listen to each other, to share with each other, to support each other. Uh, you know, to, to meet each other where we're challenged as we try to fulfill all those things we're pursuing out in the world. And to make sure that whatever level we're at in that pursuit, that is coming from a heart-centered, uh, open-hearted, uh, sincere, authentic place. That is the core context of what Rising Man is creating in the world. Now, if that sounds good to you as a man and you want to meet other powerful, strong men who are committed and passionate about building themselves up to be the best men they can be and supporting other men as they do that too, well, right in your place. So I think that's it. Uh, thanks again for listening. And as always, find out who you are inside by getting outside. I'm Sean Barry. I'll see you next time right here on First Nature.